Welcome to Game of Books Podcast. I'm Kathy in South Dakota. And I'm Christy in South Florida. We're two newbie writers who share our love of food, wine, and mystery through interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors. And our virtual book club. And even our fun writing lessons with writing experts. Join us on today's adventure. Welcome to Corks and Conversation with Chris Calvin. We are so excited to be talking to yet another California author, and more importantly, a writer to watch, according to our friend and best-selling author, Jess Lowry. Yes, yes. We had Jess on a podcast last season, and since then, we've learned to trust her advice. Mm -hmm. So I just want to give a little introduction to Chris before we get started. So Chris Calvin is an award-winning thriller author, and has received the Silver Falchion National Literary Award for Best First Novel, Best Political Thriller, and Best Female P.I. Sleuth, joining past Silver Falchion awardees that include Sue Grafton, Dean Koontz, John Sanford, Katrina McPherson, and Anne Perry. Oh, whew. That's, yeah, that's a that lot. A that's a mouthful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she's educated in economics and forensic psychology, and she's also been honored by the California Governor's Office and Legislature for her leadership in child advocacies. She also has received quite a lot of praise for her novel, All That Fall. Here, I'm going to hold it up, Christy, for everyone it. watching yeah. us on YouTube. Yeah, it too. Yeah, beautiful cover. Love it. Um. Okay, so here's just a few. The Kirkus Review says it's a rich and detailed story. And Meg Gardner, who we've talked about before, um, great author. She says, all that fall is suspenseful, complex, and engaging. A great trifecta for readers. Grab it. Mm, And we agree. (laughs) So Chris is a single mom, and she and her kids are faithful San Francisco Giants and Warriors fans. But their favorite place is the public library, which I know Kathy (laughs) appreciates as well. I do. So, Chris, it's so nice to talk to you today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's my first time to uh, chat like this about my new book. So I'm excited. Yes, exciting. So when it was yesterday, your or no, actually, you're a, a little ahead of the curve because one week from today on April 13th. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I don't know when. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, we come out right that, after that. Yeah. Just that's the, the book birthday. So thank you. All right. So before we get started with anything, Kathy, you're going to have to talk about the wine. Which is really today. Is one of the more important parts. For <laughs> yes. <us. laughs> okay. So um, I suggested the Joel Gott um, Savion Blanc from California in honor of our home state of our um, our guest. And I think we all have it. I absolutely. Yes. Yay. And I, um, so I'll let you guys take a taste while I uh, read the t- uh, tasting notes. Um, I chose this because I had found it at Costco and it was a really nice price point um, when I found it. And so I, and I, and I had bought a bottle previously and really enjoyed it. It wasn't quite as cheap. I don't think it might. Yeah, mine my was grocery store. How much was it there in Florida? 15 around. How about you? How much would mine was it? would have been 15 and it was on sale for 10, I think. Okay. So yeah. I, I like it. I like a nice price point. It'll probably point. go on sale next week, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're, not, you're not holding any issues against me, I'm sure. Okay. So it has aromas of this is really this is really interesting. Pineapple, 
mango and peach with citrus notes. On the palate, the wine opens with ripe tropical fruit flavors, followed by a crisp, refreshing acidity on the mid palate, and then a long, clean, balanced finish. It is really good. It's it is good. really good. Yeah. Of course, it's only two o'clock here, so probably anything would be good. <laughs> <laughs> We're day drinking. drinking. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> day drinking to celebrate all that fall, everybody. Look yeah. at this beautiful cover. Well, it's five o'clock here. I'm the only one that's really. Yeah, legit. Chris, you, you have a pass. I never do. <laughs> okay, so let's get into it. I'm super excited to talk to Chris about this book, um, all things about all that fall. Okay, so uh, we have to start talking about Emma Lawson, your protagonist. She is um, a government ethics investigator, which we definitely have to talk about because that's just the greatest <laughs> career for, I think, a protagonist, right, in a thriller. But I also love that she is in business, uh, kind of her side gig, I guess, with her best friend, um, Kate, and they are doing a daycare, which I just thought was such a great combination, <laughs> right? Very serious, eth serious ethics investigation, and then just the romper room, right? That is yeah. <laughs> daycares. <laughs> and so I love those two, that dichotomy. And then I love their relationship. I just absolutely loved Kate as her, as Emma's sidekick. And I really um, was curious about your choice in doing, you know, best girlfriends as kind of her main sidekick. So I don't outline at all. And I'm one of those annoying authors who says <laughs> I don't make choices. <laughs> I, I have one idea in mind. And for this book, it really was about the teenager, Luke. And so I had an idea about a plot that centered around this 15 year old and then Emma, the investigator helping him when he started to get into trouble. Mm -hmm. And what I do is take a character and a setting and just start, I dictate because I, I can't um, ergonomic issues after all these years oh, with the computer. So I, I dictate. And so I, I kind of see it like a movie and I see what's happening. And so I didn't initially really view it as an Emma Kate um book together it was going to be a, a lot about Luke. And of course, Kate is Luke's mother. <laughs> so uh, Kate wasn't going to sit on the sidelines as this story evolved. Oh, and so it sort of pivoted uh, where Kate and Emma are uh, so close. And you see that in the beginning and you see it about relationships. I will say that in my life, I have um, uh, tried to find a significant other husband partner. Uh, I always have the door open. Come in, come in. And you know, <laughs> me too. Here's my door. Yeah, right there. There, come in. In case and, anyone's and, watching. <laughs> yeah, just you know, just as an aside. We do a dating service here as well. There you go. That would, <laughs> that would be perfect. And and I've not been terribly uh, or even moderately successful. So uh, in in my life, the very closest people in my life have been not only my kids, obviously, and as they get old enough to to have uh, that kind of friendship along with everything else, uh, but girlfriends. And particularly, I have a, a dear friend uh, who is named Kathy Kate. Uh, and so oh, wow. <laughs> exactly. So, and in fact, the book is dedicated not to my children, but to Kathy. No, oh. now I'll get oh. sort of Terry. Um, <laughs> because, you know, when, um, when I think about getting older and possibly getting older alone, I, I know that there's someone who's there for me in the same way of 
visiting me if I'm ill or, you know, it's like you can create those family relationships. So as I was writing the book, I think particularly writing it during the pandemic uh, and sort of seeing what it's like to be living alone. I didn't have any of my kids um, here during that. Uh, the, just the presence of both Kathy, but other very dear friends uh, sort of translated into Emma's life. And while um, Kate in the book isn't, Kate and Kathy are very different. Um, Kathy is not in daycare. She's a, a, an economist, uh, has that same training, although even more than I am, she's a, she's a, um, has been in government and the university and so on but they look alike. So the description of Kate in the book as a sort of um, very fit, uh, not tall, because I don't know what Kathy will think is okay about me saying about not tall. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the sort of fun spiky hair and the piercings, that's all my friend Kathy. So the oh. physical and dressing in black. So um, what someone told me once, which I thought was really a good advice is when you're writing fiction, it's okay to take a physical description of someone who inspires you and then give them a completely different personality or a personality of someone that inspires you and give them a completely different appearance. It is not really fair to a person to describe them and put their personality in the book. I do know a lot of people who do that, but it made me feel more secure that the characters were whole and real and different in Emma's world and not the same as if I had just taken people from my life and put them in there. Right, right. That's really interesting. You can should maybe do one or the other, but not. Yeah, like yeah. That. So that you're just protecting people's kind of. Yeah. That they don't mm -hmm. exist on the page, and you don't get to play with their lives. Wow. Right. That's really the idea. I love that. Yeah. Uh, where did the daycare? How did that come in? Like, how did so you again, <laughs> I don't plan and I don't outline, and I wish I could give better <laughs> answers because it's sort of like I walked into the movie theater and this is the setting that came up. Wow. I will say that my life has been dominated by children. I was young when I had my first two kids with my high school, well, college, I guess, college um, sweetheart. And we got divorced fairly quickly. So they were like two and four. So I was still in school raising a two and four year old. I was in graduate school. And so kids and how to get childcare and all that dominated my life. And then just to make things interesting, like 15 years later, I had another kid out of wedlock because why not? So <laughs> I was like having raising two, two generations of kids, you know, one that's mm -hmm. sort of preteen-ish and then have another one. And um, so kids have just dominated my existence. And I wanted to write a story. You'll notice Emin has no children, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. whether she will have children in future books, because this is a series. I don't know, but I gave, I made her kid adjacent because I know a lot about that. So Kate has Luke and then there's a three-year-old in the story. And, and so I like having kids around, but I really wanted a young woman. I didn't get to do that when I was 30. Mm -hmm. I, I, I had to live for other people. That's what we do. And I don't resent it or regret it. And it's fabulous, but fiction is allowing me to play with being a woman without kids. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, it, and it was interesting that you said that you originally were centering the story around Jake. And um, so I, I write YA. So I was like, have you ever thought of writing for children or YA? Because it sounds like you have a lot of leaning that way. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I had a friend who's a very established author, so I won't mention them right now, because uh, what they when they read this book, uh, and this was a, a male friend, 
they felt it was sort of YA. Where's the sex? Where's the woman without her shirt on? Where's the, you know, it's just like, well, first of all, it takes place in 48 hours. So just imagine she had sex the day before the day after. Yeah, right. She had sex on Wednesday, didn't eat you on Thursday. (laughs) Just like, why is that? So so we had a, you know, a little conversation about that because he felt that my book wasn't adult enough. And I, I do feel that my book plays from about that certainly high schoolers could read it. And I have, I've had beta readers like around 20, not as young as high school, but um, up to 105 or whatever. But I have thought about trying to learn moving it that little bit younger. Um, Cause I, I think uh, first of all, teens are my favorite, favorite age. And, and I have never understood when people are like, I want my kids to stay little. I go, there's just so many cool things are going to happen when they <laughs> <Yeah>. actually <laughs> are people, you know, it's just cool. So I, I appreciate you're saying that I haven't had someone suggest that, but I, I, it's in the back of my mind um, to try YA. Uh, but again, since I don't have a lot of choice, we'll see. Right. Well, I think when you say, I love teens, like that's I not do. everyone's I cup do. of tea, right? Teens are challenging for a lot of people. So it may be. That and like- I hope that comes across with Luke in the story because oh, yeah. yeah, what I, what I feel is, is they get a bad rap. I mean, people think of teenagers as they're either surly or they're dangerous or they're, mm-hmm. you know, um, they just show what's inside them more than we're allowed to. It doesn't mean what's inside them is, is worse. They're just less edited. And I, I like that. Yeah. I really felt like your, your child characters were, were so believable. They were smart. They were strong, you know, and that, that is a kind of a good quality to have that you don't normally see in adult books. So that's that. So you're, you're straddling both of the areas. So I did have one, um, you know, NetGalley is where librarians and people can go early and read it. So I've only had 11 of those comments, but um, it, she luckily would they- more, we're just saying. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, again, I have lots of pitches here. Let me just, so this is what happens when you live alone. Like you get any opportunity. Hi, want to hear what I want? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but I had one guy who said that he's the father. And when he was reading about Luke, he could only hope that his little kids would grow up to be as, you know, brave and function as well, if in the same circumstances. And then parenthetically, he got, he put, not that I'm hoping that'll happen. <laughs> yeah, like, right. Murders and guns. And, you know, yeah, we, you, we hope your, your kids are not tested the way Luke obviously was. But right. I thought it was sweet that he was saying he, he would want his kids to be like this fictional character. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, I think he does have a lot of emotional honesty, which I initially was like, oh, it's he's mature. But I, I, I took it away as he's emotionally honest, which I thought was. Oh, really interesting. Cool. Yeah. A really cool um, attribute for Luke. When yeah. I had my youngest son. Um, so again, on my own, although his dad is someone I had known, like since we were eight years old or something. So I could never really you know, reach out from people <laughs> when I was a kid or high school <laughs> or college. But um, so. It was just uh, my youngest son and I, once my other two kids got older and, and um, were doing their own thing that teenagers do. And someone had told me that that if it's just sort of that dyad, you and you and a kid and um, they, they have to they have to develop that emotional maturity. They have to develop hmm. a lot of things that 
um, you both want to protect them from because you don't want them to have to grow up too fast. Uh, and clearly Kate was doing that, trying to monitor Luke and keep him young. But at the same time, there, there he probably did come across that way because he didn't know his dad. Um, and so I think that's part of who he is. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I want I have to go back and ask you about your process. Um, when you say that you dictate, how do you talk to me about that? I'm very curious. So I, I would, I wish I didn't have to. Um, I, I used to love the, just writing longhand on a yellow pad. Uh, it, um, so this is a this is a public service announcement. This is a warning. So <laughs> I never had any kind of pains using a laptop. So I was Ms. You know, just no worries. I'll use a laptop in a cafe, on a table, in bed. I just can lean over and hunch over and use a laptop. And I had been doing it since I was in graduate school. I don't think we had laptops in, but graduate school all the way through. <laughs> I know it's a long time through um, being a policy and advocacy person. Um, I just spent a lot of time on the computer, never any pain. I sort of wanted to pay attention so I wouldn't get carpal tunnel. Like, was my wrist hurting? And I was just like, nah, I'm indestructible. And then I, this was probably, it was quite a while ago now. It was probably almost 10 years ago now. Um, I just, one morning I woke up and my elbow of all places felt like I had been stung by a thousand bees. I mean, the pain was so horrible. I had tears rolling and I couldn't figure out my elbow and I was just in so much pain. And I went in the kitchen, it was like seven in the morning and I got, you know, some whiskey that was there for guests or something. I don't <laughs> drink whiskey. And I was like, I'm just going to channel the old West, you know, just pour this. And I took a bullet and everything. And it just like, I didn't know what to do. And so, and my son, of course, gets up at the time I'm downing shots of whiskey in the kitchen. And I'm just like, no, seriously. But he saw all these tears and he still remembers that, how horrible that was. And then I went to, um, you know, doctor specialist. And it turned out it was my neck from leaning over the laptop and a nerve going to oh. my elbow. The, the wow. elbow was the messenger in service of the neck that was saying, cut this out. So mm. the problem was once it had happened that, so that time I was in bed for maybe at least a month. I mean, I was in such pain. I was in physical therapy for, you know, and it wow. wasn't surgery. It wasn't a slip disc. It wasn't, you just wear right, that. It's just from a nerve damage. Yeah. And so now if I'm careful, so my laptop right now is on a riser. If I sit on a special cushion so that I sit straighter than I am, <laughs> like, if I, you know, like I'm, I'm straightening up. Well, you know what? I have like a monitor and I found, you're fine. yeah, I just started that, you know, when we were doing the YouTube and, and stuff. And I mean, now it's like, I have to use it. So if you can keep your screen at eye height, most of the time, for me, it has to be all the time. What also happened is I really can't use the mouse or keyboard very much without it triggering it as well. So uh, that's why I dictate. um, And if I follow all the rules, then nothing hurts. And it's like, I'm normal. But if I don't, I can get I can have episodes. So the dictation is required. It is, it has, it's been difficult uh, coming to terms with it and making friends with it. Cause at first I, it bothered me so much to have wrong words popping up on the screen that I was stopping all the time. And then of course, if I correct it, I'm using those things that could cause me injury. So I, I had to, and I, I did a scene this morning and I just have to not care about the words on the page, which for an author is just incredibly difficult. And what I do is I sit down and I say, 
so silly. I'm a silly person. I say, tell me a story to myself. I go, just tell me a story. <laughs> I just prep myself. Just, you're just talking. You're telling the story. And I have to do that every single time. Because if I sit down and say, write a scene, can't have those wrong words where, you know, whatever series cousin, whoever is in there doing the computer is just like, you know, just crazily writing things. Like every time I would say Emma, it would say I am. So every sentence oh. that with Emma is I am did such, I go, no, no. So there are ways for people who are, maybe even your son knows this, for people who are more patient and will, you're supposed to be able to train the, the dictation AI oh thing to understand your language and your, forget it. So I just say, tell me a story. And then I say the whole thing and then I go back and I clean it up. So, so it's harder and I feel like things are lost. I, wow. I don't love it. On the other hand, I do feel like I am protecting myself for years and years and years of quote unquote writing, dictating. I also take the phone with me. Now I can't hold the phone up a lot either or it'll trigger it. So, um, but I take the phone with me with uh, earbuds or something and I go out for a walk and I go, tell me a story. And then I, you know, talking to, I tell a scene and then you can just forward it to your um, computer and it has all the same mistakes. Very interesting. It's all verbal. Yeah. Yeah. I am, I am very sorry to hear that's why you do it. I yeah. was thinking it was because you are such a creative, not, not an outliner at all that you're, you know, know, for your process. So it's actually was physically thought it was, of you. Yeah. so interesting. The other thing related to that, the not outlining. So when I got a two book deal, my publisher, of course, wants to know what the second book is going to be about because they want to choose a title and do a cover now. Oh. And so I'm like, well, it's an Emma book too. It's about Emma. There you go. <laughs> and they're like, what's going to happen? I know I'm not Emma? an outliner either. So this is so fascinating it to was, me. It's like, and I thought I, I can't, I really cannot even, I have no idea. So I went and got books about outlining and the book about um, save the cat for writing yeah, a yeah. novel mm-hmm. and uh, how to be a cancer plotter upside down, whatever. So I read a bunch of books and I thought, okay, you have beats and you have this and you have that. And you have, so I, I sort of learned it all. And I wrote an outline that sounded like a story I would be interested in that had Emma in it. And uh, I, for book two, and I turned it into them. So, and now there are elements of it that I can't get away from because they're going to be on the cover possibly. Like it has a bullet train in it. Oh, I wow. don't know why That's a bullet train. So why? it's part of the story. And the problem is I, I wrote from the outline 30,000 words of garbage. Like it was just, I hated all of it. I had to start over. I I can't write from an outline. So I thought, well, I'll just kind of remember what I sort of told them and maybe they won't remember except for I know there's a bullet train in it. It's just like, there's gonna be a train in it somewhere. Um, Other than that, that I can't write from an outline. I can't. Wow. And I learned, I, I tried, I want to say I tried. You've made a very sincere a valiant effort. Well, yeah. I want to talk more about that, but I think yes. it's time. I do too. For so the question go. in the bottle. Okay. So what movie can you watch over and over without ever getting tired of? Can I do a, a 16 episode TV series instead? Is yeah. that not a movie? Sure. <laughs> Sure. I just watched it three times, the whole 16 episode. So that's why I'm going to use this one because it's fresh in my mind. So I think it's for crime reads. They wanted me to do international thriller TV series that you could watch because we aren't traveling as much. 
And so I had to watch about 25 of them to pick 10 because I didn't like all of them. So to recommend 10 international TV series from all over the world. So, and I'm not a TV person. So this was like a whole other thing. (laughs) So there's a show on Netflix called Itaewon Class, Itaewon Class. And it actually is one of the top TV series in South Korea, which I didn't know when I picked it. Oh my God. And it's all subtitles, which normally I I wouldn't like in a movie theater because I feel like I have to choose between the subtitle and the person's face and Mm -hmm. I'm missing something. (laughs) Or the person goes, da 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 and the subtitle (laughs) says, no. You know, just just like, so, but this Itaewon class is a, it's a coming of age story. So it starts with teens, which I love and follows them for about 10 years in Seoul, South Korea. And it's sort of like one of them is kind of almost like a superhero born identity, but without superpowers. And there's all kinds of love triangles. It's, I don't watch telenovelas, but it seems to me it might be kind of like that, except it's a thriller. People are also you know, doing terrible, corrupt and guns. And, you know, I just, I watched it the first time and I was like, I have no idea if anyone else would like this because I don't know anyone who has ever watched it. I've never mm-hmm. heard of and, it. And maybe it really is just resonating with me. And I will feel so foolish if anyone <laughs> I know watches it. And they're You're just like, like this is the stupidest crazy. thing I've ever, what? She's crazy. Now we're yeah, to just book. be like, but, but then I watched it again and then I watched it again. Well, I can guarantee you there are probably tons of people that watch it. And my oh, daughter yeah. who, who, who's <laughs> minor is in Korean and she wants to go to graduate school in Korea and she watches all the shows. I'm sure she has <laughs> she watched it. And it. now, it now she can make me watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know though. I'm scared to like, I won't recommend it to anyone except all the people who watch your um, <laughs> thing uh, because I can't, I can't vouch for anyone, but me, like what I loved about it is everybody bad or good is, is multidimensional first of all. So oh, that's good. they all yeah. have issues and it's about sticking with your principles, but that sometimes people who stuck with their principles had really bad principles. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah. so later they figured out I stuck with those principles and that actually didn't make me such a well, good person. I'm definitely so, going to watch it and my daughter will just love me for it. So. <laughs> there you go. Has she been um, to Korea to visit yet? Yeah, she did. She did a semester when, uh, when she was in undergrad, um, she graduated 2020 during the pandemic, oh, you know, my goodness. yeah, right here in my apartment. No, oh. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, she did, uh, in the summer, she did a semester, like a, you know, six week study abroad type thing and, and she loves it. So she wants to go again and well, I'll go visit her because I have to go to Seoul now because it was like the coolest. All right, we'll go together. Thing. That sounds Absolutely. good. <laughs> the coolest. I thought the city was cool. I just, that's, that's a very cool. Well, I, yep. I said answer. I'm very impressed. <laughs> okay, now I'm tired. See, I talked all that time. Now that's all I have. Okay, so, so let's, go ahead. let's have a drink and we'll do our second half of questions. Here. Yeah, have a sip. And okay, so um, we did, we've talked a little bit about, you know, children and stuff, but your child advocacy work, we find very commendable, Kathy and I, and we love that it carries over to your writing. Yes. You've said that it's important that readers know they can enjoy thrilling entertainment without worrying about child harm or graphic violence. And so can you talk a little bit more about this? Sure. I I didn't feel safe in my own home when I was a little kid. 
And I'm certainly not alone in that. There's a lot of a, a whole range of reasons and ways that that can um, be true. But uh, for me, I was just frightened most of the time. And fortunately, I was close enough to a public library. And back then, mm-hmm. they oh, sure, go walk by yourself. <laughs> so I would go to the public <laughs> library and, uh, you know, discovered that uh, there were these adventure books for kids. I was probably six or seven or something that, you know, there could be monsters or dragons or villains, but the kids would be okay, either on their own initiative or someone would save them or, and the librarians and the people in the library were kind. And so I sort of developed this relationship with books as being where exciting and scary things happen, but no problem. And I kept reading, like reading a couple books a week, um, all my life fiction books, uh, but I started trying to read adventure books as an adult and read thrillers. And Really, the number that have themes of serial killers, pedophiles, torture, and some of them are amazingly good books. I mean, and they're not egregious. Like, there's a reason they're sharing that information. They're raising the awareness that this is true, that this happens to children. They're, um, I actually think the people who write it might have had the best childhoods because they're, they feel safe when they let their imagination go into these horrible places. Like I don't, people will say, well, don't you think those people are awful? No, it's like, I go on a roller coaster. I'm not afraid the roller coaster is going off the rails. Well, they write this incredibly, what feels very horrible to children's story, but they know that's not happening to their kids and it didn't happen to them. For me, anything was possible at my house. So triggering. So I, I yeah. And, and, and yeah, so, um, I felt I didn't intend to write thrillers. I was going to write more Agatha Christie type, you know, mysteries. You find a body. How did it get there? Let's all talk about it. But again, I don't have a choice. So I start dictating and I put somebody here and somebody there. I didn't plan a 48 hour novel. I mean, Mm -hmm. things just this happened, this happened, this happened. So for me, I was never frightened for the little, well, I'll put it another way. I was frightened for Vivian, the three-year-old, because circumstances were clear that if she hadn't been protected, and I won't do more spoilers than that, but if if she hadn't been safe, uh, terrible things could have happened to her. But Mm -hmm. I felt as though as the person watching the movie and and telling the story, um, I was frightened enough to worry and want to read the next chapter. I was not so frightened that I couldn't go to sleep at night. I, I didn't have to see people um, or hear people, you know, screaming in scenes or something. It's just like I, I, I could do it and get through it and to the end. And then what shocked me was when some of those early reviews came out that were lovely and I greatly appreciated, but the people commenting below the reviews said, yeah, I can't read a book where a child gets kidnapped. That's it. And, you know, it's on the cover of the book with the swing and the missing, it looks right. like a missing kid. So I don't <laughs> think I'm giving away anything, no. child. but but they're just like, that's, I'm not reading those kind of books. And I was like, wait a minute, me too. I can read those books. Right. So that's why I came up with sort of, there's a thing on my website right under the book where it says, spoiler alert, mm-hmm. um, you know, fictional adults will die. Even ones you love, it's a thriller, no child, you know, every child will be safe. And right. then I sort of realized, wait a minute, this is my thing now. <laughs> it's like, I didn't plan it, but since right. I want to do an, a 10 book Emma series would be my dream. I have a two book contract, but if I keep getting to do more, oh. um, I would like her to have all kinds of adventures and all kinds of kids in them. And again, 
bad things happen. Like Vivian, what happened to her in this book is, you know, she's going to need some therapy probably someday, but it's 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 not not the worst thing that could happen to her. You know, that's the thing. Uh, And, and I did, I did appreciate that as well. I mean, you kind of do, you don't realize, I mean, it's still very suspenseful, you know, there's worry about danger, but at the same time you had this hope, you know, she had, she had Luke and, you know, whatever. So. Thank you. Yeah. So it wasn't a plan. None of this was a plan. If I had planned in my life, I wouldn't have three children now, but (laughs) she doesn't plan in her writing. She doesn't plan in her life. We're going to have fun in South Korea. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. We are going to have fun in South Korea. So yeah. So that's that's why I I feel like I can do that. Yeah. I get sad when I start a book and I um, love them. So for example, Mike Gardner is one of the best writers I've ever read, bar none. Mm-hmm. I, I read the first chapter of her unsub and thought, I yeah. could never write like this. Yeah. I just, I, right? I, I, I yeah. yeah, I just was, mm-hmm. I thought this is the, it's just incredible. And yet, you know, I, I got through the first one because I really wanted to read it and the writing was so good. Once I knew what the other ones were about, I was just like, make <laughs> one of the best writers in the world, but the people who were not terrified as children and actually had very, very, right. very bad things happen to them are going to read your books. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, yeah. that's how that works. Wow. That's really good. I do know the feeling that when you read somebody and you think, well, that's it. I'm done. I can't ever yeah, do anything it just like was, that. <laughs> and even when it's well done and there's a reason and it's sort of a fable, it's a yeah. make-believe, um, I, not happening. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so I'm curious about two things now that we're, as we've been going, um, we have to go back to Emma. She is an ethics investigator. And I, love that <laughs> I love ethics. I love the-, the you, Why? Why do you love, how did that I'm, happen? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a lawyer by trade. Ah. And that was kind of my, I don't know, I just found those classes to be the most interesting. Um, I was a criminal, I was a prosecutor. And, and I just, um, it came up all the time. There was ethical, sticky, messy things all the time. And, um, and I, I think I see those in life because that, you know, that's, um, what interested me. And so, um, I'm curious about that choice and, and, um, very curious about that and very excited for what that could happen in the next 10 series. (laughs) We'll plug for that. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second part of that is I'm very curious about when you say you can see it as a movie. How does that happen for you every day? Like, does that just, <laughs> are you just in a habit? And so, so you wake up at 4 a.m. and it happens or what? So those are my two unrelated so questions. The ethics investigator. Um, so I didn't want to step too far out of my comfort zone and have her be a, a police investigator. Like I could do that with alibi and kind of the homicide folks, although I had them do it in a more British way where there's a whiteboard and they're having a conversation. I don't know whether U.S. <laughs> cops actually work like that. Um, I didn't feel like I knew enough to make her I, some kind of real investigator, but I know a ton of stuff about government and agencies and what they should and should not be doing. So there are two entities in California that relate broadly to ethics that I sort of merged and made a fictional thing and a fictional job that doesn't exist. So the two that exist, 
there's a Fair Political Practices Commission. And that's what most people in California think of as the Ethics Commission. But all they do is look for people who uh, took bad campaign donations or have bribes or give a contract because it's all about sort of measuring money and gifts and, mm-hmm. and quid pro quo. And that's the, that they're looking at ethics in breaking laws around finances and contracts. That's the Federal Political Practices Commission. There's also something really cool that that got started in California in response to Watergate called the Little Hoover Commission. And it's supposed to look at good government broadly framed. Every year they pick two topics and they say, are we doing this the way we're supposed to be doing it? They're not looking for crimes. They're looking for sort of, is this ethical government? Wow, that's interesting. It's really interesting, but they were a little bit too weak for what I wanted Emma to do because they really just write reports Mm -hmm. and um, have researchers. And then the other one did did the um, sort of corruption money thing. So I created the Hayden Commission for no reason, that name, (laughs) a nine member appointed commission. And it looks like the little Hoover Commission former legislators, business people, Emma and one other person named Hugh. So there are two lead investigators. They each have teams of analysts. They're assigned topics each year that the commission picks. Enter the bullet train. So Emma's topic (laughs) in book two is what's the ethical future of train travel in California? And then she's supposed to look at three categories. She's supposed to look at the economics of it, the equity for a lot of people and the environment. But of course, she's only going to barely get started looking into the train stuff and then somebody's covering this and doing that. And, you know, so that's what her job is, a blend of the Hoover Commission, which exists, which does research, like she'll interview people and the Fair Political Practices Commission, which does more was there a crime and she does both. I hope that works. I've never told anyone yeah. that yet either. How's that? I love that. that. Okay. Yeah, that's I love that because ethics is, there is, you have, I mean, I just thought for a thriller, it's the perfect, it's the perfect oh, good. Um, good, background good. because <laughs> I can always see out of an ethical situation. Right. That's a whole right. thing. So that's good. Yeah. yeah I, I love that. We'll see. I mean, again, that, that was a, it was hard for me because in book one, as you know, she's not really at her job. It's two days yeah. and she takes time off. And now in book two, I'm placing her in her work. Different. The thing, the thing about what I see, so I'm a very visual person. Like if you tell me, as you did, uh, you, you talk a little bit about your daughter. I just see like a, a shadow cut out of a, of a young woman. I don't, or girl, whatever she would be. And, and I, I am seeing as you're talking, she's in Korea. She's learning this. She's, you know, it's just always visual, but I don't have fill-ins for most people. Mm-hmm. So when I'm writing, I first, um, and this was true even when I could write and type, I first uh, just think about it and kind of get the words right. And so I'll, I'll walk outside and, and I'll say, so for example, this morning I was saying, Emma had never walked two dogs at the same time. And as she was uh, leaving her house with both Crash and Fox, her sister's dog, and being pulled this way and that way, and as I'm walking around the block, I'm thinking about, I see her, you know, she's this and that. And and then Luke comes out across the street from from his door, and I see what he's wearing and what he's doing. And then they start to walk down the hill, and they start talking. And then I do it over and over while I'm walking. I start again. Emma never walked two dogs before, you know, and and then I try to fix the words. 
So I see it, I try to fix the words, and then I come home and I hopefully do not open email or Twitter or anything <laughs> else. And I open the screen and I put the headset on and I say, tell me a story. And then I go, Emma's never walked two dogs before. So that's uh-huh. how I do it. Well, that's really cool. Really? That's really cool. I love hearing that. Oh, well, you know, Kathy, it, we could go on all night. <laughs> we could. We could. We've got, a we've got wine, wine. We've got, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, we do, we've it's been so fun, but we do have one final question. Christy's got that. Yes. Okay. So this, um, this appeases some of our foodie listeners out there. <laughs> So which of your characters would you like to share a meal with and what would it be? What a good question. Mm -hmm. So because it's been a long time since I've shared a meal with a three-year-old, I I picture immediately, I just saw Vivian. Here comes Vivian. I don't really get to choose. She's she's like climbing up on a chair and ready to to share a meal with me. Um, When my middle son, Matt, was in preschool, And they did a project with the class and they uh, were supposed to talk about holiday foods that were made in their home. And then they all made pictures and we went for our open house of the preschool and they had all the foods that everybody had for it was for Thanksgiving pies. And so my son had said grated cheese. (laughs) 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 They had a little bowl of grated cheese for our holiday meal. So I think I would like to have a little grated cheese with Vivian (laughs) and uh, we could kind of play with it and, Maybe um, that's what I pictured. This is why I write fiction. Right. <laughs> oh, that is so good. You I have the weirdest answers. <laughs> that sounds yeah, great. Yeah, that's though. true. You could play with them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's out. great. That's great. <laughs> that's an awesome answer. Okay. So if our listeners, when they have questions about you, where is the best place to reach you? So I have a website, chriscalvin.com. And if they go there, there's just a contact thing, but it, it, it's only there to like block bots and things. I mean, it goes directly to me, to my email. So it's, it's not a, a thing other than an email, but it has blockers <laughs> of some kind. So they can just write me anything there at chriscalvin.com on the contact page. They can ask me anything. They can also answer questions on Goodreads. And so if they're Beautiful. on Goodreads and they want to ask me if there's places where you can ask an author. Awesome. Um, and as you can see, once I start talking, it's hard to get me to stop. Um, we love that. Which I really want to say was not true before the pandemic. So I do want to apologize that I talked so much. Like, when was the yeah. last time I, I talked to anybody? So um, you guys were great. You were very patient and kind. And oh, um, next so year, fun. if you have me back for my next book, you'll see I'll be all polished and calm. Oh, no, this I'll is fine. Like, hmm. we, really, we could go on all night, honestly. But, you know, we have to stop it sometime. So let's just (laughs) do a little cheers. 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 Thanks for joining us on today's adventure. Subscribe to our podcast on our website, gameofbookspodcast.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you liked what you heard, you can give us a five-star rating or review. You can also subscribe on YouTube, where you can watch and listen. On gameofbookspodcast.com, you can find all the information about what we talked about on this episode, and you can sign up for our newsletter or enter our fun contests and giveaways. We also post our stories and links on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hope to see you there. I can guarantee you we had fun today. And we hope you did too. Cheers. Cheers.